Welcome everyone, this is Glenda Dawson and you're watching Glenda's Dragon's Den. I want to thank everyone for watching us, for following us, for sharing this podcast uh, every week. And um, also, I also wanted to give you some bad news. LD is also on another mission and he threatened to be here next week, so we'll see. Uh, tonight, we have a phenomenal phenomenal um, guest who is a, also a friend of mine. We met through our sons and uh, she is a wonderful writer, a wonderful musician, a singer. Uh, I could be here saying so much stuff about her for a long time, but I prefer that she tells you all about her. Welcome Roberta Pesco. How are you? I'm good, Glenda. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, it's the tell me about yourself moment. Let me yes, yes. So, you know, like we were talking before and you were saying it's like school where you want to let yes. everybody else tell them yes. about you. Let everybody go first so you can see what they're trying <laughs> to get. See? Yeah. <laughs> and there's but, nobody there. But, you know, it. it's even though it's hard, that tells me that... Um, spiritually you are not letting your ego take over yes because you are uh, very humble and with that comes so much spirituality and such good energy so come on let's hear all about it so i am a singer and a writer and uh, as we were saying before when we were talking it's really all about stories i am passionate about stories and it started out with writing songs when I was a baby, which sounds really not humble and obnoxious, but it's not. I don't mean it that way. Uh, my parents tell me that when I was a baby that I would sing in the crib and make up songs and, the, and rock in the crib to the beat. And the crib would move across the room and the downstairs neighbors would complain with all the scraping of the crib legs on the floor. <laughs> and... Uh, but, you know, if you're singing a song, you're making up a story, you're thinking about characters, there's feelings, there's emotions. Um, and then it was playing with dolls as a child, and that's stories, you're making up stories, which one is me, which one is you, Who? what's happening to that character. Um, and then I started to actually write stories, and that's also very gratifying. Um, so I've been doing this forever, mm -hmm. um, ever, you know, since before I can remember. Uh, let's see. I'm also a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian since 1975, and that's because I love animals, but I don't judge other people. Everybody has to take their own path. I'm not looking to change anybody's path. So, Very that's good. Very good. You know, um, a lot of people um, have a problem with others telling them what to do, but yet they love to tell others what to do. And I keep saying, everybody on their own path. Yes, agreed. we're here to evolve and learn and uh, grow. And my path is probably not the same as yours, and ninety-nine percent I'm sure. But we may meet somewhere. We may cross paths. We may meet for a reason, but that doesn't mean we're on the same path. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think ultimately that we're we're all one. You know, I believe in the universal mind. Mm -hmm. I believe in the primacy of consciousness. Right. Um, but in this realm where we 
think we're separate. Everybody has their own path. And I, I try not to judge, you know, mm -hmm. I, I try. Very good. So um, writing, you said, said that you started to write. Now, um, what age were you officially starting to write all these? Um, music or stories? Okay, music. Let's start with music. Okay, music. Um, I was writing songs from the beginning, but mm -hmm. I was I started writing them down. You know, writing down the lyrics and the chords. When I was fifteen, I got a guitar for my fifteenth birthday, mm -hmm. which was the best gift ever because it gave me this framework to put the songs on. The guitar mm -hmm. chords were this framework, and it really didn't matter that I didn't read music particularly well because I could remember the melodies by the chords and I could write down the chords and I could write down the words and then the melodies would stick forever. I could record it on a little cassette, you know, <laughs> and have a record of it. Um, so that was really the beginning of, of that. And then stories, I think also all along, like I always liked creative writing in school when we had to write a story. I never thought of that as a, a threatening assignment. Like a research paper was a more threatening assignment <laughs> and a story was like, oh, that's a vacation. Like I want to do that. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I actually wrote my first novel, which isn't really out there, but sort of is, I found out, although you can't get a copy of it. Mm -hmm. um, when I published this most recent one, I look on Amazon and I see my very first one that I started writing when I was in my 20s that got published by this fly-by-night publishing company that went out of business and I never even got a copy. But uh -huh. somehow Amazon has a record of this thing. And it says out of print limited copies available. And I'm kind of like, where? <laughs> <laughs> so my, the first time I wrote a book that I was in my 20s at a job I did not like. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I fit in. So I really didn't have a lot of people to have lunch with. And I would go to my car and I would drive to the park and I would sit with a notebook and a pen and I would write into the novel, like for my whole mm -hmm. lunch hour. And then I'd come back to work. And then, mm -hmm. you know, many, you know, decades later, I tried to publish that one. That, that was that was the first one. But now there is self-publishing with Amazon Kindle and it's a lot easier. <laughs> right, right. Yes. It won't and, disappear. And, and the work is actually yours instead of shared. Yeah, yeah, because I don't even know if I have rights to the first novel that I never got a copy of. Mm, if well. anyone out there has one, like photocopy <laughs> it for me because I don't have it. Oh, Lordy. It, it's, you can probably write to the Library of Congress. I, yeah, they I wonder keep, if they, they, they... Yeah, if Amazon has a record of it, then the Library of Congress has a copy and you could request a copy. That's a wonderful idea and a good reminder that I need to send the new one to the Library of Congress now that it published because I did yeah. get the number. I got the Library of Congress number for it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did the same thing. So this way, even if Amazon goes out of business, which I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, but you never know. Everything has its limits. I I have a official Library of Congress. Yes. Number, and so. it's a way to just be out there. Like yeah. that was my feeling is that even if I don't reach people in my lifetime, it's just mm -hmm. out there forever. And somebody could be touched by something I had to say exactly. 100 years from now, 200 years from now, exactly. 1000 years from now. Exactly. Look at all the classics, right? Exactly. Exactly. The, they were not great. They, they probably sold hardly any books while they were alive. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, they, 
exploded. So yeah, it's just a way of being part of this collected lexicon, and it's, that's really what I wanted. Yeah. So now you said you got a master's in consciousness. Consciousness studies. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and what directed you to get a master's in that? I was looking for. Now I did this. Um, I got it in 2021, so this is recent. Okay. Um, I was looking to go back to school. I was looking to do something remote, mm -hmm. um, and I wanted some kind of a spiritual degree. Um, what I was really looking for was kind of like an interfaith clergy kind of degree uh, mm -hmm. initially, and then I found Holmes Institute, which is wonderful, wonderful, best. Well, I had such a great experience with them. And they had this Masters of Consciousness Studies, which is kind of a combination of comparative religion and science as how it relates to spirituality and culture. And um, it, it's just a little bit of everything, philosophy, psychology. It was a beautiful program. I had, I felt like I had a transformative experience. I adored my professors. I felt like even the classes, like, you know, you have your classes that you love right off the bat and you're right. oh, I'm glad I took this. And then the ones where you say, what did I do? Maybe I should drop this. <laughs> uh, but even the ones that were threatening and scary, I feel like I got so much out of so much growth. Mm. And like, I can't say that about undergrad, but this mm. was phenomenal. Now undergrad, you sat there and you're like, <laughs> Certain things about undergrad were wonderful, but not yeah. across no, the board. No, no, no. I, I, uh, I remember having this one um, economics professor who was monotone, and I literally learned to take a, a recorder, a tape recorder in those times, cassette recorders, and press record it just in case I fell asleep. You fell asleep. Well, as soon yeah. as you said, uh, not to. to disrespect anybody's chosen career paths but as soon as you said economics i was like yeah that's not good <laughs> that's boring but you know you have all these courses you have to take whether you like them or not yes so, yeah all the gen ed uh, stuff right right uh so that sounds like a wonderful experience and it sounds like it was part of uh, to adding to your awakening and your growth spiritually so, so much so, so many ideas, particularly in the in the last story in my book, um, mm -hmm. the, the novella, the uh, Be Right Back story, so many ideas from that really came from things I took from grad school. Good. Now, what's the name of your book? My book is called Paradox Lost, mm -hmm. and it's a collection of four shorter works, two yeah. short stories, and two novellas. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're each very different from one another but kind of the underlying theme is the the everyday person with the extraordinary experience so can you tell us about say about one of them well, one of them okay yeah. uh, which one um all right i think i'll i'll tell you about the last one because that's the most recent okay. and that one is actually the main character is me but mm -hmm. not in an obnoxious vain way um, and I changed her last name and I changed her birthday and year to make the story work. But it's it's a, a woman at the at the beginning of the pandemic when they first locked everything down and everybody was so scared and the whole world was just, you know, it was like someone pulled the rug out from under the yep. earth. Right. And so she's out walking her dog and she finds a magical book 
with a spell in it that will take her any place to the time and place of her choosing. And she decides to go back to 1968 to her childhood heaven of Nantasket Beach, which mm. was my childhood heaven. Mm. And of course, what transpires is the whole complexity. You, you really, when you go home again, it isn't the same. It's magical and it's wonderful and it's different. You see it, you can't see it through your eight-year-old eyes. You're gonna see it through your 60-year-old eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's that's that whole story. And uh, I, I had a blast doing this. I researched everything. Like if I had her look up and say there was a three-quarter moon in the sky, I went back through the records to see what the moon was that night to make sure that I was accurate. I checked the weather for dates. I checked prices of items. Wonderful. Wow. Yeah, I could imagine going back then, the prices of things. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> all the parts about the shopping, about when she gets there. And, um, you know, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but, you know, she realizes her money is no good there because all the bills have future dates. But mm -hmm. she does get hold of some money. I won't really explain that. Mm -hmm. She does get to see, you know, some of her own relatives, but mm -hmm. she can't say who she is. But when she goes and tries to spend the money, how far a dollar goes is, like, blowing her mind. Right, right. Yep, I, I, I can imagine that. So, um, so tell us about your singing career. Oh, okay. Well, right now it's kind of on hold because, although I'm still recording, um, I'm kind of COVID squeamish again, not judging anybody else or what they should do or how they should live. But um, because so much of my singing was done in nursing homes and senior facilities. Mm. Um, I never felt safe going back because there's just so much transmission of pathogens in mm -hmm. a collective living environment. Mm -hmm. And you can't sing with a mask on unless you want to suffocate. Right. You have to breathe really deep to sing. So we kind of stopped gigging. We, we do outdoor, occasional outdoor gigs, and I am recording. But um, we had started um, my my significant other and I, we started working together in 1999 mm -hmm. and we've been performing, you know, all over New Jersey and around New Jersey. And again, like I said, mostly the senior care facilities, because that's really where you could get the repeat work and nobody's pressuring you to have a following. Nobody's just worried about how many butts you could put in the seats and all of that. Right. It's not a high school popularity contest. Right. So, and we, um, we were doing music from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, primarily like jazz swing and standards. And so this was music that the seniors could relate to. I'm not saying seniors, like I'm in my 60s. What, you know, what's a senior? Yeah, I know, I'm it's a thought. senior. <laughs> what's a senior? I, I'm also in my 60s, I'm 62. Yeah, so, it was yeah, like, they, you know, they could, they could relate and, and it was fun. And so we were doing that. And then um, I started, and we did have a CD. We still do have a CD mm -hmm. and all the stuff on the CD is on the, oh, there's the little, oh, how cool. There's my yeah. little link. Yeah, everything yeah. from the CD is there. What I did is I put it in bundles to make everything more affordable rather than saying, here's my CD for 15 bucks. Like you can buy a song for a dollar. You can buy three songs for $3. You can buy five songs or six, six songs for $5, you know, just to like nothing in my store is more than $5. Right. So that's up there and some newer stuff. Um, I have something with, um, called Love and Lullabies, it's all children's stuff. Um, a friend of mine wrote a Jewish country song and I recorded that for her. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so that's up there. Um, there are some witchy chants that are Ooh, up there. So okay. all, all kinds of fun stuff and all really, really affordable. And 
um, a very painless way to support a small business. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly it. You know, everybody supports the huge businesses that are really. Yeah. Yeah. And I priced my book low too. like my right. the, the book, the paperback on Amazon, it's nine ninety nine. I don't I don't want anyone not to be able to afford something that I'm trying to share with love. Exactly. Exactly. And and, you know, the uh, what you wrote is stories that will inspire others and if you keep it at a low price then you could get more people to actually be inspired exactly that's what i that's really my, what i want is just to kind of make people i feel like my goal when somebody's reading my book mm -hmm. is i want them to just feel like the world is a little bigger than they thought it was before that there are more possibilities that there's more hope um even if things are scary or dark that there's there are these miracles and there are these connections and there's all this love that underlies it all and mm -hmm. the oneness that underlies it all mm -hmm. and so that's even so there's the, the four stories are so different um one i can hardly tell you about because it would be a spoiler because it's got a twist oh no um, I, I i that the audience will just have to get the book too they'll just have to get one. the book if they want that one one is a yeah. medieval fairy tale Ooh. Um, about a, a young boy coming of age, um, mm -hmm. very, very poor. He's an orphan and he's in, in love with his best friend and he wants to marry her. But her parents, you know, they're not having it because he's got no money. The village is poor, but they're like the least poor. And he's, here's this legend that there's this big castle in the woods and it, there's a monster in it. If you can make the monster cry you know, you'll inherit the castle, but he's so gentle and he's never harmed anybody. And what's he gonna do? Cause he wants to win his love and how's he gonna make this monster cry? So that's the mm -hmm. fairy tale one. Mm. And then the third one is a little darker. Mm -hmm. It's uh, this woman, she's a widow and she has driving phobias, kind of like me, cause I have some driving phobias, and which, but I'm thankfully not a widow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, she is, she has a teenage daughter. Her daughter is at a sweet 16 party and she thinks that uh, one of the daughter's friend's fathers is driving her home. But of course it's not to be, she gets the call from her daughter. Can you come get me? Mm -hmm. And it's a stormy, horrible winter night, just when you really don't want to be on the road. And she takes a little detour and she ends up encountering this real malevolent um, alien from another planet who has very bad plans for her and she needs to find a way to stay alive and get to her daughter so that's the that's the other one the third one there mm, sounds very good oh i i definitely can't wait to read the uh, the one with the twist that's for sure yeah, I know. Well, I, told, I told you, don't that's tell exciting. No, that's exciting. That is I, I had a blast exciting. with that. That was something suggested by one of my son's friends. He he gave me the idea for that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good challenge. I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, so um, now what do you kind of near plans, future plans? What, what do you see? Do you see doing a sequel, another book? Um, is it already in the works oh you know? okay i've got i definitely want to keep doing books mm -hmm. um i have two two children's books in the works right now but i also have an i have an adult novel that i have started and stopped for a number of decades that i really really need to finish <laughs> really really and then i have an idea for another one um but i have 
one children's book that I've written the whole thing and I'm working with a wonderful artist. Her name is Michelle Santuxi mm -hmm. and she is doing paintings to go with it, to illustrate it. And when we finish nice. the paintings, um, I will publish that one. And, Beautiful. and that one is about uh, a little girl who's being babysat by her grandparents while her house is being painted and grandma's napping and she hears somebody crying in the woods and she goes and she meets a baby Bigfoot and I'll, Oh, story, yes. oh, I can't wait. Maybe <laughs> Bigfoot, who she she befriends. Um, oh. And that one's called Emma's Secret, and that will be out eventually, you know, because <laughs> you, can't, you can't rush a wonderful artist. You, you want no, everything to no, be perfect. No. no. Um, so that's one. And then I'm also starting for kids that are a little bit older, because that one's a picture book. Right. For kids that are a little bit older, I'm starting a series about a golem. Um, I, you've heard of golems, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be called Gershom the Gentle Golem. Ooh. And it's about two children, uh, two twins, a boy and a girl. And they've moved from Florida to um, the, to New England. And, mm -hmm. it's, and they're not happy about the move. They're miserable. But they find a secret room in the attic. And it has all of these. It, the house used to be their grandparents' house. And they find in it all of this Kabbalah stuff and instructions to conjure a golem. Oh. And they do. <laughs> and all kinds of stuff ensues after that. So this is the first book. It's, uh, you know, Gershom the Gentle Golem, a golem is conjured. It'll be the first. Mm -hmm. And uh, then there are going to be hopefully more after that. Sounds wonderful. Lots Sounds of writing in the works. Good, good. Well, it, it, it seems like you've always loved to write, whether it be music or stories. So I was just wondering, because I know that a lot of people write and they publish their first book and then they like get stuck even though they have things already in the yeah. others in the works and they it's sometimes it's a little hard to restart those those juices flowing it is i know i mean i know and look at the the one novel where i've just had i'm like 80 pages in and i've got such writer's block on it and i know i need to just finish it just <laughs> And it's I keep something. starting other ones. It's like I think every other book I've written is because I'm procrastinating that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess you have to figure out what it is that is blocking it. Yeah, I think it's because it revolves around a Scrabble game, and um, I had it all set up on a board, and the board got knocked over. But oh. I did. I was able to recreate it. <laughs> it's kind of like. Oh, I was at the point where I'm going to have to figure out a couple more Scrabble moves to make this whole supernatural thing happen. And then I just realized, really, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm thinking, well, you know, I really don't. I can have the board fall over just like it did in real life yeah. and have the story ensue anyway. I don't have to map out this entire game. There you go. And, and, and what's the best way? I mean, real life is better than anything way. that else. <laughs> the best way. And the, what's so wonderful is that the characters in the story really become references, you know, people I can reference, people I feel like, not like break with reality, they're my friends, but you know, right. they're, they're aspects of me that are my friends. Right, right. So that that's wonderful. That is wonderful. And now you, um, you, you don't do this, this is not your full-time job, basically. No, when, when right. I was gigging when I was doing music gigs I considered it I considered it to be a full-time musician but I also work from home as a writer I write articles mm -hmm. like nonfiction articles and I have done that for 
about 20 years at this point for various companies. Wow, that's very good. That is very good. Oh, yeah, my stuff is, um, it kind of makes me laugh. It's kind of syndicated all over the place. <laughs> well, it's good. It must feel good to see that yeah, all around. And, and Nice. Yeah. And I, I hope that when I get assignments from work to write an article, I, I always hope that the information helps people. I always try to do it from that perspective that they're learning something that's going to make their life easier or better or at least less difficult very good very good so um are you able to tell us some of the stuff that you have like what i write about yeah, yeah oh okay um recently for work i've been writing a lot of articles about like medicare and social security these, you know, I, I do whatever I'm assigned. It's right. people will say like, "Oh, are you willing to take this topic?" Well, yeah, this is my job, and you're giving me an assignment. Of course, I'm going to do. It. <laughs> um, let's see. I've done a lot about estate planning. Um, mm -hmm. That's really where, like, this past year, and I also fact check for the company I work for. I do some fact checking as well, Good. and I love fact checking. It's like meditation. Mm -hmm. I could, I could just fact check. This <laughs> it's. It doesn't feel like work to me. I know that sounds crazy. Fact checking just is very relaxing to me. Uh, I do that. Let's see. Uh, I can talk about a company I don't work for anymore in terms of articles I did not enjoy writing. Okay. The, the two hardest articles I ever had to write, which were for both of the companies are not in business, so I can't hurt or, or offend anybody by saying I didn't like these topics. One was about Wago beef, and I literally cried when I had to write about how they finished the beef, you know, like what they do with the cow and how the cow is in a confined space and can't move at the end of his or her life and how they make the cow drink beer. Well, I guess the cow probably doesn't hate drinking the beer, but it changes the quality of the meat when the cow drinks the beer and they massage the cow. To, so the cow was like penned up and massaged and drunk. And I was crying when I wrote it, I got so upset. Um, but I did, but I did my work. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a dependable employee. I do my work. I turn it in and I do not ever complain to my employees saying I hated this. Right. Um, and then the other one I found really difficult was an article I was given. Um, and this probably was close to 20 years ago about guns. Mm. And I just, I didn't know what to do with it because I'm not a violent person. And I've never shot anything but a paintball gun. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't mind doing target practice. Like I don't have a moral problem with doing target practice. Yeah. I think that might be fun. I, would, I, 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 I do target. I do target practice. Yeah, I think that would be kind a of a lot fun. of fun. It's kind of like the paintballs, just hitting yeah. target. But like writing about like the gun specs was really dreary. So I found the only way, and that this company I worked for many years ago, they gave me a lot of leeway with what I did with the article. So right. what I did is I took all this boring stat, you know, and I turned it into a history and I talked more about the historical context that the guns were made in and that this style was made in this his period of time and this is what was going on. And then again came this one and then this innovation. Oh, so sounds interesting. Even if if you didn't like it so much, if you made it into something that worked for you. Exactly. And, and definitely sounds very interesting. Yeah, I tried to make history it. History of it. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, um, what uh, what got you to do this book, really? To do this book? So, yeah, this one, the one that you published. Okay. 
So what got me to do this book was I was really called, sounds obnoxious, but I was really called to write the last story, the time travel story that takes place during the pandemic to 1978. And every time I set out to write a novel, it comes out to be a short story or a novelette. That's just, this is what the divine gives me. The divine gives me shorter works. And I finished this and I I really want to put it out there. And then I realized, you know, it's not long enough to put out by itself because it was, it's a novella. It's not a full novel. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I have all these other works sitting around. Why don't I put them together? And at first I'm thinking again, like, well, do they even fit together? Each one is such a different kind of a theme, but Mm -hmm. then the overall theme is the extraordinary stuff for the ordinary people. And really the power of love. They're all about the power of love, every single one of those stories. So I was like, okay, they're, and they really are all about things that are paradoxical. And that's why I gave the book the title Paradox Lost. Mm-hmm. So there was, that was the thread that tied them together. And that was what compelled me to do this. Um, and then when I found out that you can publish on Amazon and that they don't require money up front, mm-hmm. just have to pay the formatting company. Right, right. Because I don't know how to format. And it was like, oh, this is very accessible. I can really do this. Right. And feel like like I left some kind of legacy, like I left some kind of mark on the planet. Right. Which I guess everybody wants to do, even if they're not vain and obnoxious. <laughs> it's kind of just, it, it's in our DNA. We want to leave something behind. Right, right. It's, um, we all want other generations and other people to learn what we've learned. We want to touch, we want to touch right. somebody else. Like, I remember my when my dad was alive, he, one of the things that he said to me that made me feel the most heard and understood was I had played him a song I wrote. I was a teenager. And he says, you know, your songs are all about communication. I was mm. like, yeah. Mm. No, and he got that. He got that. It was all about this is this is how I, how a person who's a little shy communicates. Mm. Very good. Very good. So, And now um, your mom and your dad. You became spiritual more and and vegetarian and all that. So uh, were they supporting you or were they kind of hesitant or did they just said, okay, you do you basically? They were totally respectful. My dad teased me because my mom was raised vegetarian, but she rebelled by eating meat as a teenager. And like, oh, please don't tell my dad, you know, (laughs) went to a restaurant and ordered tuna fish. That was the big rebellion. (laughs) <laughs> um, so she really, she really understood it. And right. my dad, even though maybe he didn't understand it as well, he respected it and he would just tease me and say, oh, this is the mutation that skips a generation. <laughs> and it does right. because my kids immediately rebelled and ate meat. <laughs> as soon as they went to elementary school, as soon as they could get school lunches, that was it. They were ordering meat. <laughs> and there you go. There you go. And, and but there if, you go. if they ever have kids, which neither of them plans to, uh-huh. I bet we get some little vegetarians there. <laughs> it, I I look at it this way: it's grandma's influence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all. Uh, so much, yeah, yeah, so much. I feel like um, because I knew about vegetarianism growing up, and mm-hmm. when we would visit my grandparents in their beach house in Nantasket Beach, Massachusetts, um, we would be vegetarian while we were there, except. 
that my dad would want meat so bad we would like sneak out and go to a restaurant sometimes <laughs> and then he could get his seafood or his burger or whatever but um there was we didn't bring meat in the house and right. you know whatever we ate with my grandparents it was a completely vegetarian meal so you probably learned a lot of the cooking from your grandparents i did i, I learned a lot and a lot about label reading and about like little ingredients that you wouldn't necessarily know were animal based, but that they are mm -hmm. and what to look for. So when I became vegetarian, I knew how to read labels and I knew, oh, like I can't have that marshmallow because it has gelatin in it, you know, mm -hmm. mm, very That's good. made out of an animal hoof. Like right. the only, I can only have kosher gelatin, which is made out of seaweed. Okay. Look at that. See, I didn't know that one. That's I learned all good. of it. Yeah. Uh, if you ever want vegan marshmallows, they're called dandies. They're awesome. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to look for them. Yeah, they're really good. You can get, get, get them on Amazon. Oh, really the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving them a free commercial. Yes, yes. We can get dandies on Amazon. Okay. So um, now you, how did you start your actual gig? singing career i mean it was it just like you and your yeah you and your partner your other half just decided to do it or was it that you were oh i both? didn't even know him yet okay. i was still this was before my divorce i was still married mm -hmm. and i just remember i was i was giving my older son a bath and he's in the tub and i'm singing to him from the little mermaid i'm singing that you know part of your world song right. and we're, we're making his hair stick up like a fish, <laughs> like the top of a fish with the shampoo and all of that. And I'm singing to him and I just, it came to me. It was like, you know, I'm a singer. I've been a singer ever since I was born. And it doesn't matter if the only person I'm singing to is my kid in the bathtub, mm -hmm. I'm a singer. And at that point I put up a notice in a music store and I was looking for a guitarist to work with. And the first guitarist I worked with isn't the one I ended up working with long-term but he introduced me to the one who eventually became, you know, the love of my life. And oh, wow. Wow. That is awesome. It's yeah. A, everything happens for a reason. There. For a reason. And so we started out kind of like cover bandy kind of stuff. And then we got asked to do something for a senior group at a temple. Mm -hmm. And then we started learning all these jazz things. And the two of us just loved that. Good. Good. Yes. Um, it is hard. I've... Um... I have volunteered myself uh, for uh, assisted living and, and that type of thing. But it is ever since COVID hit, it's, it's very hard because yeah. uh, at any point they could have a, you know, a an outbreak, little, an outbreak could, and, and you could be in the middle of it and not even realize. And not it. even know it. You could not even know it. We have been booked for outdoor gigs in you know, assisted living and senior facilities. And then I get the call, we had an outbreak, you can't come. Right. right. Yeah. So we went from doing about three gigs a week to doing like two a year. It's really, it, you know, it's, I try not to grieve it too much, but I feel like the world has just been altered beyond measure and it mm. really may never be the same. Mm. Um, and I know I was more COVID squeamish than the rest of the world. Everybody thinks I'm nuts, I'll be, you know, <laughs> okay, I think I'm nuts. Uh, but I really didn't go anywhere for like three years. And now I go places again, I just wear a mask. But right. I, you know, if I'm going somewhere, I just put a mask on. But um, I don't know if the world's ever gonna be such that that won't be the case. Yeah, 
it, it has changed and you know it was predicted that it was going to be some major change major changes and, and it's it yeah, is. and all change brings grief it, yeah. it really does we grieve all change and i hope that the world heals in my lifetime but more important that it heal even if it heals after my lifetime yeah. now it is it is hard and um you know even now you hear about a lot of a big outbreak again because of all the holidays everybody mm -hmm. getting together people going to new york you yeah know, going here yeah. going there so it it's um you know even at if you worked out of your own out of the house you can still get it because yeah. i got it you know yeah. I, I had it in september um literally doing nothing working from home putting a mask on anytime I went in a store and you know you have one family member over for dinner and they don't know they're carrying it even though they tested because they know you're squeamish and you know a scaredy cat <laughs> and I got it thank thank God you know thank goddess God <laughs> mother father God <laughs> um I had the mildest case uh, but everybody in my family the rest of the people who got it they were so sick but not dangerously sick just miserably sick right right yeah and and um it it's all it, and it's potluck you just don't know you just don't know but it's so pervasive it's so out there that if living as isolated as i lived for you know three and oh, a half years or whatever right. it's going on four years now um if i could have one person one family member over for dinner and that's all it took that yeah. really tells you how much the world has changed. Yeah. Um, I feel really blessed that my case was so mild. I'm not sure why. Uh, I mean, I've read things that say that a plant-based diet can give you extra, you know, I don't know. I mean, it sounds weird and arrogant to say that, but right. it's like, for whatever reason, I was blessed. I'm grateful I was blessed, but I'm sorry that the rest of my family that got it suffered. Yeah, and there's, there's also another article that I read that said typo blood gets it less and they're oh, more, right. type o blood right yeah they're more right. immune to it so and it's like yeah i don't know I, I just feel that um if you're going to get it you're going to get it and yeah. you know it's just um hope for the best i guess i right? just hope for the best so i'm you know i'm yeah. still careful um i'm mm -hmm. not completely i don't completely stay at home like the crazy old lady with the dog who never leaves the house. I do go places, but <laughs> I just mask because I don't want to get it again. Um, yeah, and you may be, and you got forbid you're carrying it without realizing, even though it doesn't. I don't want to give you. it to anybody. Exactly, I don't want to give it to anybody. The miracle is like that. My mom didn't get it because she was exposed, and she's the only one that didn't get it. <laughs> the family, See? and that's and, what I'm saying. I'm so grateful. Know. So grateful i would have it a million times to to save her to have her never get it you know right 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 oh i understand that i understand that so now um you while all this is happening you're having regular life you're having you know you got married you had kids you got divorced um you found your other half right now your partner and um how did you did you tell everybody right away that you know did you let them know right away that you were into writing you were into all that or did it take you a little bit because i know that some people even though they're out there 
with the writing and the singing and all that, it's like, eh, I want to hold that. So I always told people, but yeah. I'm not sure I was always taken seriously. There's something, again, I think it's in human DNA to, if you know somebody personally, to not take seriously their creative endeavors. Like you only take strangers' creative endeavors seriously. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what that is. And I, I don't know, but somehow with this book, I feel like people are taking me seriously and it's kind of blowing my mind. Like, oh, I'm blinking. Am I going to wake up? Is this a dream? Because like, I think people are taking me seriously and not saying you, this and professional author that, you know? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was always, I was always out there about being singing and writing songs and writing stories and I think in some ways that separated me from people and made me the weird one, <laughs> but no regrets, you know. No. Well, you you were born with that gift because I mean, even like you said, your parents said that even while you were in the crib, yeah. so you were natural for it. You were it was always, destined for it. Always, I remember. I don't remember the crib. You know, that's like right. someone told me that story. If it's a lie, I can't <laughs> tell you that. I don't remember. But what I do remember. It's being about three years old and I had, I guess it was um, one of those, not, was it roseola or one of, one of those little childhood diseases, things that you get. And right. I had a really high fever. And so my parents put me to bed and to and keep me entertained, they gave me a whole bunch of like headbands and hair clips and things and, and a mirror to play with. So, cause you could do that laying in bed. Right. But what I did it was stories and this, I remember this, each time I put a different thing in my hair, I was a different character and I'd make up a song and I would sing who I was. <laughs> I was like three years old. So I don't know where that comes from or what I did in another life. You know, but it's just always, it's always been there, whether anyone else embraces it or not, it's just there. And I could try to squelch it because I could say, well, no one cares about it. I'll just not do it. But it always comes back and I'm always driven to do it. It's a, like a compulsion. Well, because that's you. you yeah, know, exactly. And, and you're trying to please others instead of please yourself. Yeah, you and I have to be doing this to please myself. I have right. to. You, you came into this lifetime for that because yeah. you have, through your music, through your writing, through your singing, you heal others, even though they don't realize it. Thank you. Know? you. Oh, sweet. It, it, that's what those gifts are for. And I've had people I, say that about the songs, I, which is really like touches me so much. People will be like, something about your voice is really soothing and healing and it makes me feel better. And like, that makes my day. Like, thank you. Well, that that's why it was given to you. And, the you know, I keep telling people, don't stop doing something you have passion for because somebody doesn't recognize it or acknowledge it or even, yeah. even want you to do it because humans are just strange creatures aren't we though oh lord yes oh. we are very strange creatures <laughs> i'm always saying well if we're all one if we're all one great body and then you, you think of the people that you know aren't very nice and well someone has to be the let's leave out the word that i shouldn't say on a podcast right. <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to be that part of the body <laughs> right <laughs> Because that makes a complete body. <laughs> sort of in the back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the like the first primordial human that was supposed to be all of us, all our souls were supposed to have been in, in that primordial human, you know. Right, right. 
<laughs> Somebody's got to land somewhere in the body. Yeah. So yeah. I guess those are the ones that land there. But um, yeah, when one has a passion and one is born with a gift like that or gifts like that, it would probably get you sick if you squash it, if you stop it. Yeah. Because that inside of you is natural and that part of you, it would probably, you know, I've heard of people that would make them depressed. It would give them physical illnesses. Mm -hmm. I've heard of people that, you know, would write music and sing and then all of a sudden they stop and then they would actually get physically ill, like, the, you know, their stomach or whatever. And yeah. And I'm like, that's because you're trying to be someone you're not. Exactly. Or just depressed, just so depre depressed and no energy and tired right. and nothing has any meaning. And exactly. Because if, if you're called to create and it's not a question of whether you have talent or you're better than anyone else, but if you're called to create, you got to create. Mm -hmm. It's like an artist trying to stop painting. Yeah. And it, it comes out one way or another. Like I remember when I was much younger getting um, like a upper respiratory virus and I had laryngitis and I was like, well, what do I do if I can't sing? And it was really before I was writing stories and I, I started drawing then and it mm -hmm. really wasn't very good, but something had to come out. I had right. to draw. Right. You know, what will I do if I never have a voice again? Well, I, I have to draw. So I was drawing. Very good. So you knew you had to get that, that out and you knew that you needed to help others and yeah find a way to send the message of healing out to yeah. others absolutely that's, that's wonderful that's 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 amazing to me that's amazing that you recognize it and that you're willing to go back to it even with the pandemic and even with the you know, covid and all that other stuff you still continue one way or another yeah so, writing that story was so cathartic the time travel story i as soon as i was like two or three pages in and i you know i'm writing and, and it's like that part is in first person and that character's really me that the feeling of getting up in the morning when you're on lockdown and you know how everything just kind of you know sucks and yeah. but i realized how incredibly cathartic and how many feelings mm -hmm. came out that had to come out when i was just writing that beginning section before any magic even happens right, right. and then again taking having the character take the trip back to Nantasket Beach, Massachusetts in 1968 was like getting a chance to go there myself. It really right. was because mentally I was there. It was awesome. I, I would go there too. <laughs> and, that, and finding the, the characters that this character meets there, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them are old family, but some of them are new characters that just happened for the book and they happened so spontaneously. It was amazing. Um, there were three teenagers that she meets that I really planned to be I really meant them to be more like archetypical, like symbolic, like for a hero's journey. And they, and they do have symbolic, but they became so real. And I don't even know where they came from, but they came from something outside of me and they needed to come through that story. And now there they are. You know? There you go. And I am sure that when people read these stories, they see part of themselves in it. I hope and, so. and will I, I'm pretty sure they're going to heal, find something to heal. I um, so. Oh, I am sure because just the way you 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 know you express yourself, how much passion you put into it, and the feelings and the emotions and the the surprise, the twist, and all that. Yeah. I I am really. I really believe that this book needed to come out and Thank you. Uh, a lot of people are going to read it and find themselves 
in similar situations you know sometimes we may not be able to go somewhere but we can envision ourselves there and heal yeah. from it yeah and heal from that moment uh, especially when we were all in lockdown we kind of had to just imagine oh i know i feel <laughs> i feel really blessed that i naturally know how to live in my head because i think it was a lot harder on other certain other people yes. that are very used to being out in the world and i'm kind of I like it in my head. It's fine. I don't have a problem with it. So um, you can travel. You can you can go to one end of the universe to the other in your head. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that I think comes from uh, reading a lot of books. Like I, yes. when I was when I was young, I you know I still do read, but now time is a little difficult. But I used to just sit there and read the whole book. And, and I, once you start a good book and you, sh it's like, you can't put it down. You just have right. to, I love to read. Oh, yeah. that's how I start my day. And that's mm -hmm. how I end my day is always with a book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it shows you, I mean, and people say, oh, I can't get to the library for goodness sake. The internet now offers everything. <laughs> you don't have to even walk into a library if you don't want to. Yeah. I love the library. That's I, you know, that was one of the first places when I started going places again after COVID. It's like, okay, I have to start going in the library, and yeah. so now I take make my monthly trip to the library, and I look forward to it so much. And you know, what what am I going to bring home? What worlds am I going to bring home? Yes, exactly, exactly. So um, I'm going to put your email up, so if people want to reach you. Okay. Yeah, that's my my music email that you have. Right. But still, they could reach you. And there. they can reach me. Yeah, all all my gazillion emails all reach me. They all come to one mailbox. So <laughs> it's all good. Yep. And then they could, uh, you know, talk to you after they read the book or even if they heard the music. Yeah, I would welcome that. I really yeah. would. Because, you know, I think it's going to be on a small enough scale that I can respond personally to everyone. Oh, I would love that. I would you, love know, you know what I have discovered? You could, one can respond to everyone, even if it's just, sending them a, a, a little heart or a thank you or something. Something, something. And, and it's um, because some are, everything is meaningful. Every mm -hmm. single person that emails you. Absolutely, they matter. They yeah, matter. Exactly. And if somebody cared enough about you to reach out to you, then reach back. I have one, I won't you know mention anybody's names. I respect no. everybody's privacy, but um, an article I wrote for my previous employer Mm -hmm. Someone reached out to me from another country mm. with she was going through something difficult and the article was relevant to what she was going through. And she private messaged me. She found me on Facebook because back then I had my last name on Facebook, which I do not anymore. Not right. that I'm thrilled that I connected with her, but just for privacy, I don't have my last name on Facebook anymore. But she right. found me on Facebook. She private messaged me from the other side of the planet. Right. And we have been friends now for like five years. See? It's, it's and I feel so blessed. Exactly, exactly. That that's that's why I'm saying that um, anybody who wants to email is so beautiful because you actually start that human interaction. Yes, even if, yes. if it's through the computer. So I know it's it's amazing because you know when like you and I are old enough to know when the internet first came out. Oh, people, yeah. Don't talk to anybody because it's all bad people. And I'm thinking some of my closest friends I met online. Right, exactly. And it's opened up a whole world because, you know, a friend in India, a friend in Tennessee, a friend in Arkansas. 
And these people I've kept in touch with for decades. Right. And then, you know, you, you say, oh, it's snowing over here. What is it doing over there? Or what? Oh, you took that trip. Send me pictures. And yes, you exactly. get to meet each other's neighborhoods, each other's countries, each other's areas, yes. and each other's lives through the internet, which is wonderful. It's wonderful. wonderful. It can be such a gift if people use it as the gift it's meant to be and exactly. if not trolls and meanies and stuff like that. Exactly. If people are just kind, mm -hmm. it is such a gift. It connects worlds. Um, that was a lot of what we talked about in grad school. My advisor was huge, huge fan of the internet for spiritual connection. And I had all thought I adored her. She was wonderful. She's not with the school anymore, but um, she was just so wonderful. And, and I'm grateful to her, and she's a good part of what made my experience there so wonderful. That sounds fantastic. Sounds fantastic. So um, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, is there anything else you would like to leave our audience with? That wow. There's a hard question. <laughs> um, just, I think what I would leave the audience with is that no matter how old you are, there can always be something new and something exciting that can happen because I never thought I'd be putting out a book in my 60s and feeling like I was embarking on this entirely new chapter of life. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep making books even if nobody buys them because it really, I, I haven't realized how much of a calling it was until I did this one. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's, it's such a, it's been such a gift to me that to find out that I can do this. And so I would just say to anybody that's struggling out there or thinks that everything passed them by and there's no more good stuff, like as long as you're taking a breath, there could still be good stuff, no matter how dark it gets. There's there's something magical that could still happen if you're open to it. Very well, very, very well said. Thank you very much. Thank you for and... having me. I was so scared and this was so much fun. You see, thank you to our audience and as always, many blessings and love you. See you next week.